Bakın tamam değil. My mama uses power. Thank you for listening. Bye. Finding the right jeans is hard. Accepting your jeans is even harder. Whether you wear boyfriend or bootcut, high-rise or low-rise, this podcast will teach you to love the jeans you are in. I'm Rachel. And I'm Tina. And we're going to use modern research to bust diet myths and get real about body after baby. We're going to take you on a journey of unpacking your old beliefs about food and weight so you can learn to nourish your body and raise body-confident kids. So put your booty in a chair and let's talk mom jeans. Welcome to this week's episode. We are continuing to open up the platform of our podcast so that myths about bodies can be busted and societal body hierarchies can be dismantled so that all bodies can be safe to exist in this world. So this week, we are busting the myth that cisgender is the gender norm and the typical family system is a heterosexual household. We will share a few of our thoughts, but then we are excited to welcome therapist Nethery Falchuk to our episode to help us dig into this myth even further. So the impact of stigmatization and discrimination on one's body trust and body attunement is significant, which is why continuing to dismantle body hierarchies in our society must be the foundation of the body positive movement. When one is navigating our society in their gender identity or sexuality, a relationship with one's body and food intake can be impacted. In fact, according to Nita, transgender individuals experience eating disorders at rates significantly higher than cisgender individuals. And elevated rates of binge eating and purging by vomiting or laxative abuse was found for both males and females who identified as gay, lesbian, bisexual in comparison to their heterosexual peers. Discrimination, confusion, shame placed on us by others, and bullying all impact our nervous system. As you will hear in our interview today, this assault to the nervous system can impact our ability to be a mindful eater. In fact, here is your science fact of the episode— We actually have eight, not five senses. Oh, wow. The eighth sensory system, the interception system, is essentially our sense of our internal organs. When we are dysregulated, we can struggle with regulating and connecting to our heart rate, our digestive system, our breathing, muscle tension, and our hunger and fullness. This is important to note because it is a challenge for someone to be an intuitive, mindful eater when they are in distress. We see this across the board in our clients who have experienced traumas to their bodies. And it is important to note that the bullying and lack of acceptance to many in the LGBTQ plus community experience is trauma. The good news is that connection with one another and connection to resources are powerful preventative and healing tools. Nita also totes the statistic that a sense of connectedness to the gay community was related to fewer current eating disorders, which suggests that feeling connected to the gay community may have a protective effect against eating disorders. This sense of belonging calms our nervous systems, 
It offers a safe space for our bodies to exist and has a direct correlation on our relationship with food and movement. We encourage all of you listening to continue to receive education on what it means to be an LGBTQ ally. Connect with organizations or communities that support the mental health and physical protection of this community and make your home a safe space for all bodies. We will link in our show notes some of the organizations, books, and videos for you and your children that Nethery suggests in our interview for further learning and allyship. So should we bust this myth? Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. Nethery Falchuk, she, they, is a queer Latinx relational therapist, licensed clinical social worker, and supervisor, certified group psychotherapist, certified body trust provider in training, and certified meditation teacher. Nethery is the owner of Ample and Rooted, a group psychotherapy practice specializing in working with LGBTQ plus communities, eating disorders, body shame, sex and sexuality, gender, relationship concerns, trauma, mindfulness, grief and loss, and substance use. Let's get to it. Welcome, welcome to this week's episode of Mom Jeans. Ooh, I am so excited to get today started. We have someone so fabulous that I am so excited is here. Um, They're just so awesome in the field and very inspiring and constantly keeps me in the space of checking myself, getting more education, and really just inspires me to be a better human. So yay, I'm so excited to have you on. We have Nethery Falchuk on. Thanks, Tina. Oh, we're getting started. I'm getting all misty-eyed. I love that. I'm so thrilled to be here. Y'all are doing awesome work and just really excited to be here. Yes. And I know you can't, our listeners can't see, but Nethery has some awesome plant game going on. Like, the background of the image right now, we need to take a picture because I'm like, yes, I am really vibing and it makes me want to take a nap in a spa, in a quiet room of a spa. So, yes. Ooh, mm-hmm. that's, that's kind of the vibe, nice uh-huh. relaxation vibe I'm going for. Yes. So today on this episode, we are going to be busting the myth that... There it goes, there it is. That was it. That cisgender families and heterosexual families are the norm. Was that a drum roll? That was a drum roll. Yes. Okay. But I'm pumped. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, we are, that's the myth we're busting today. So thank you for coming on, busting this myth. Let's dive in. Let's bust it. Bust it. Okay. Share with our listeners who you are and why you're so passionate about busting this myth today. Yes, before we begin, can I just say that I have the song Bust It Now in my Oh, head. yeah. <laughs> Y'all, we should play that or something I know. and have a dance party. We don't have the... <laughs> we don't have the licensing, so we can't play it, but we can keep it in our brains. Yeah. We can sing We can it. sing three seconds of it. Oh, Bust it. <laughs> That's it. That's it. That's all we can afford. For those, for those listening at home, go to Spotify or whatever. 
put it on, <laughs> dance it out, because we're going to have fun today. Yeah, yeah. That's, this is what we're dancing to in our head, but we can't play it. Oh, it's yeah. happening there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, awesome. Well, my name's Nethery Falchuk. I'm a licensed clinical social worker and supervisor, certified group psychotherapist. Um, I'm in Austin, Texas. I'm also a certified meditation teacher, and I'm almost done with my body trust provider certification through the folks at Be Nourished, which has been just a wonderful experience. So highly recommend them. And I own a group practice called Ample and Rooted. We just recently rebranded and um, big smile. You can't, you can't see it if you're listening, but I'm just so happy to bring this uh, space into the world. And can I just add, I totally forgot, my pronouns are she and they. Thank you. I'm queer and gender queer. Awesome. So I want to share a little bit about why Rachel and I wanted to bring you on to kind of bust this myth. And, you know, the podcast that we do is an inclusive podcast, even though, yes, called Mom Jeans, we are gearing it towards parents. Um, and, and we want to not only build body trust with individuals, but also break that family diet legacy or family distortion legacy that is being passed on from generation to generation to generation so that we are raising these children that are more aware, that are inclusive, that have the education if the privilege is there so that they can ultimately be more accepting of themselves, their peers, and hopefully bring some peace and love into this world, man. You know, like, woo. So we wanted to bust this myth because we really believe that there are many definitions of families. There are defini many definitions of love. There are ways to communicate this, these topics to children. And so I feel like with you being such a fabulous therapist that is so inspirational to many in the field. Those that live in Austin, Texas definitely know who Nethery is. And Nethery is like the information hub of like, oh, go to this person, do this. Here's your education. Here's where to be more equitable. Here's the, like, it just is. So yeah, I'm tooting your horn a little bit, but that is why toot, I want to bring you on toot toot so that you can kind of share with our listeners and we can spread you out into kind of the world a little bit. It's instead of just keeping you here in Austin. So can you tell us a little bit why you're passionate about busting this myth or agreed to come on and do this podcast? Well, the love is so mutual. I'm obsessed with all things Tina. And I do, I'm a listener of Mom Jeans and love, love, love y'all's podcast. Thank you. And Thanks. I am so thrilled to be a part of it. One, to just continue to provide a little sprinkling of education and hopefully inspire folks to continue the process of unlearning and to provide just normalizing the diverse structures of families and gender and sexuality. And hopefully that it, like you said, we we bring other generations into this world who can heal the deep, deep, deep and entrenched wounds that we have. Um, so aside from that, like I mentioned, I'm a queer and gender queer person. So this, this topic is very personal for me. And um, 
yeah, I just, and, and the work I do, I work mostly with, with queer folks and gender diverse folks. I'm glad you're willing to share your personal as well, because I'm curious how your lived experience, but then also your professional experience has really come together to make you really passionate about sharing education and busting this myth. Yeah. So personally, I mean, I grew up, um, in El Paso, Texas, uh, my dad's white, my mom's Mexican. So a lot of different cultural factors went into, and I think just the time that I was growing up, it was not talked about. It was not encouraged. It was not normalized being queer. Definitely the term at the time was not something that people used readily. It's a a word that we're reclaiming much like the word fat, which I'm sure you'll have talked about before on the podcast. And, um, so that my personal story, it took me a long time to reckon, recognize that I was gay and then even longer to recognize that I was genderqueer. And I just want to be able to save people the decades of time that it took me. And it wasn't just like, oh, sitting pondering. It was deep inner turmoil. And for me, it, it, it led to an eating disorder. And so an immense body shame of not being able to understand and put language to who I am as a person and to not be affirmed for that. It's super, super a painful experience. So I love working with folks who have marginalized identities and how we can honor and affirm ourselves. And I also love working with teens and parents and giving lots of fun information. And I've seen both situations where parents have not been very affirming and that has been really devastating and and life-threatening. And then I've seen the other side where parents have been just like so amazing. It's just like blows me away at how awesome some parents have been. And literally the reason why the kid came to me, which was for depression, self-harm, eating disorder, anxiety, just like magically resolves. Um, as we know for intersection of eating disorders and gender, gender affirming care makes eating disorder behaviors go like plummet, just goes, not, not always goes away, but significantly decreases. So that to me is just a no brainer. And why is this not the norm? Yeah, if you can really take someone in, and build up their just internalized affirmations and safety within themselves. I mean, to me, that feels like a no brainer. But for some, it just may not be the environment that they've been brought up in. And so thus, here we are continuing to bust this and provide that education to those listening. So what do you know about this myth's history or origination? Yeah, so really, you know, for a ton of the details, quick Google search, I highly recommend everyone Google transgender um, origination history because you'll find since the existence of humans, there have been gender diverse folks and sexual orientation diversity. Like that's just normal, much like uh, our connection to our bodies and intuitive eating is just the norm. It's what we're born with. Uh, There's just gonna be diversity in sizes and sexuality and gender. It's just the thing. What happened though is uh, with colonization where most of all of our, our, our wounds have started, is that there's a European ideal, which is founded in patriarchy and 
Christian normative uh, discourse as well and power and just a ton and ton and ton of oppression stemming from that based on folks who are not matching the European ideal. Racism, of course, being uh, a, a big factor as well. And what we see is in tons of indigenous cultures that gender diversity, sexual diversity is definitely not just a norm, but in a lot of cultures and communities, something that is esteemed and seen as uh, a person of wisdom and how far we have come from that just because of all of the discrimination that we are definitely experiencing and have a lot of work to do, especially given our last presidency administration. Uh, there's been a lot of continued harm done. I like how you bring up this, these two terms, the norm versus normalized. That's where I was gonna go as well because that word norm, normal, it indicates otherness. And I think for so much of our podcast, we're really trying to say like, hey, for those of you who feel othered in your body, we're trying to help you realize you are normal and we need to broaden the definition of normal or I don't get rid of it altogether. But, you know, because this is so much more of a, a body positive podcast as well as with the food relationship though it, it really goes back to what it feels like to be safe in your body and feel like your body is a beautiful wonderful place without all the social norms being pushed on you so I, that kind of goes into the next question when when that is happening to people when we live in this type of society how is that harmful for people in their body trust and in their relationship with food oh it's an assault to the nervous system in pure and simple terms it is the disruption of connection to your body. It is just what keeps you from inhabiting without shame your body and your emotional self. Um, there's just a, a certain box that colonizers, white men, <laughs> white thin cishet men have said, this is the way it is because of whatever religious ideas at the time. And that doesn't apply to everyone. Um, to each their own, but I don't believe in those ideals. So why should my existence be minimized for that? Um, and the harm, as I mentioned, there are people, I mean, trans folks are at about five times more likely to develop an eating disorder than cisgender folks. And just the rates of, of LGBTQ plus teens who come from non-supportive families and their suicide risk is just intensely, intensely increased. So this is a real, I would say it's a public health crisis to not be affirming and open about the different uh, identities that we hold. Do you have any specific resources or suggestions for parents or let's say we have that one teen that might be listening passively because their parent is playing this in the car or I don't know. How can these individuals get support if they're struggling with maybe their own identity and not feeling safe to express that or are living in a household that is stuck in the normalized identity but really recognizing that they are the norm yes so i would to the parents listening uh first encourage everyone to take a deep breath <laughs> take a deep breath <sighs> and just feel uh, a sense of self-compassion kind of wash over your body. 
there's a cycle of socialization. These are uh, what we're talking about are social constructs that they're these non-dominant identities because of society. Um, and so we don't go into the world really choosing to believe, oh, queer people are super bad. It's something that is socialized into you. And it's something that only you have the power to unlearn. And the more that we have folks awaken and unlearn, the more that gives room for people like me, people like maybe uh, these parents and their kids have to exist without harm. So definitely self-compassion and taking the time to unlearn. Whether you think you have a kid who might fall under these identities or not, because we don't, we can't always know just by looking at someone and it might take a kid some time to come to tell you who they are, um, is to unlearn, spend the time having these conversations with your family. But first with yourself too, therapy is a great place. Um, I can also give y'all a list of resources to put in the podcast notes or whatever, wherever you put that. Um, but really, yes, on understanding that from the moment we're born, we're socialized. And most of the time it's with, uh, we grow up with implicit biases, which is why we have to unlearn them. It's an active process. And the one thing I'd like to give parents the question of is when you think about your own upbringing, how comfortable were you talking about bodies, relationships, and sex with the adults in your life? Just let yourself kind of feel, think back to your young self, what it was like. Did you even have the space to talk about it? Did you feel comfortable? And what influenced that level of comfort? If you did find comfort in talking about normal things like bodies, relationships, and sex with the adults in your life, what helped or what didn't help? And that's something that you can then as a parent provide for your child. We often talk about the importance of language in the home in our episodes. And I think you're bringing up a really good piece about breaking legacies here. I mean, as a child of the 80s, a lot of the words associated with the LGBTQ community were used as slurs on the playground. And the older generation was using those words in derogatory ways as well. So it really is a legacy of breaking the way we use words and our understanding of people and our mindfulness of that. So I'm, I'm grateful for those journal prompts because it really is some pretty deep work of association with our brains and, and breaking the language in our home. Absolutely. No question there. Just saying it. <laughs> <laughs> and that was, yeah. Okay. One of the important pieces that I wanted to bring up here, if we're speaking on shifting the language, is more so having a safe, open conversation with kids if the kids are initiating this conversation. So let's say, you know, this child is living in a cisgender heterosexual home and went to school and so-and-so, you know, I don't even know how it would come up, but let's say it's like, okay, people are talking about so-and-so that is gay or has two parents of the same. Yeah, it comes up. There's, there's one of my daughters. I don't have an old enough. Yeah, one of my daughter's yet. friends yeah. has two dads. And so, yeah, the conversations occurred. Yes. Sure. Or, you know, whatever situation that is not similar to what's at the house. If a kid is bringing up this conversation and the parent is sitting, you know, in this cisgender heterosexual relationship, how do they have 
that conversation? What are some kid-friendly discussions or resources that you can provide for parents so that they can have this conversation with their kids? Absolutely. So we can talk about two different approaches. One is if you like maybe fall under like Tina, where your kid is, how old is Henry now? Almost three? Not even. He's only two. Not, yeah. Oh my god. Two in some months. Yeah. Two uh-huh. and change. So two yeah. and change. So uh-huh. for folks who have, you know, kids maybe zero to three and then kids who are older and you're just starting to understand this concept, um, things you can do. So we wanted, if you're a parent, I hope you can almost drop what you're doing and start to unlearn this. And um, one of the best resources I can offer is Sex Positive Families. Melissa Carnegie founded uh, Sex Positive Families and Melissa's local to Austin as well. And Sex Positive Families has, I can't even express how much of a wonderful resource they are. So definitely wanna highlight folks to look more there. But the best thing I can say is for like Tina, don't wait to have your kid bring up the conversation, right? Like we want to start to just normalize and talk about it and talk about different family structures all of the time. So an example can be like, there are many different people who can have a family together. And um, ours include, and this would be where you talk about, you know, what it includes. So for Tina, I know you and your husband. So say it includes a mom and a dad and a kid and chickens and <laughs> dogs and cats. And I don't know what else. Have you added more animals? Nothing else. Well, I just started um, harvesting worms. Oh, so we'll just say like that. Right. <laughs> and worms. <laughs> for the chickens. So. Worms for the chickens. Anyways. Yeah. I digress. <laughs> so you've got a whole farm family over there. <laughs> and you would say, but that's not the same for all homes. Have you noticed that? Some homes have one parent, some homes have two dads or two moms or a mom and a parent or grandparents or whoever. And then you ask her, what are some, or, what are some of those examples you've noticed? And do you have any questions about that? And we just foster the respect of those families and those different kinds of structures, lots of kindness and opening conversations like that. Because your kids will obviously come across diversity. And you don't want them to be the first one to bring it up. Um, but if they do, then we don't want to panic. If, if your kid asks you a question and you do not know the answer, you're like, ah, should we be talking about this? Take a deep breath, go back to that self-compassion. And we don't want to shush them for asking a question, especially if they're maybe, maybe not so much right now during the pandemic, but if you know one day you're back in the grocery store line and your kid is like, oh, is that a boy or a girl? You don't want to say, shush, don't ask that question. Just say, well, we don't know. We can't tell someone's gender by looking at them. What makes you curious about that? Right, so we want to normalize, have a very neutral kind of response, be curious, lots of fostering of curiosity, acceptance and love. And um, the best thing to do is not respond with silence, not shush them, not respond with silence. And if you don't know what to say, you can just say that. Like, you know, I'm not sure how to answer your question. Is it okay if I take some time to think about it and get back to you? Then get back to them. Don't just drop it. Um, the other thing to notice also are your nonverbals. So making sure if you notice tightness in your body, maybe bring your shoulders down, 
take another deep breath, make sure your facial expressions are in, indicating acceptance and that it's an okay question to ask. I really love this breathing theme here. If you haven't noticed, Nethery is bringing up constant slowing and breathing. So, <sighs> yes, it's so important, right? These are implicit, right? Implicit bias, it happens unconsciously. So, we want to be able to slow it down, notice what happens in your own body, and maybe even put your hand on your heart, chest center, and say, okay, this is to you as the parent. Okay, I can do this. I can answer this. Or I'm going to slow it down for a second. Yeah, I like that you bring it back to the nervous system because I think that when your nervous system is, you know, aroused and you're in fight or flight, it's really hard to be mindful in your body. And when we always come back to the food relationship too, you almost have to do that calming in order to continue to have that intuitive relationship with food. Um, but I like that you're talking about how basically do we make the home safe and the first, the parent has to learn how to manage their own reactions so that they are a safe person. And then that, therefore the home can be safe for the child to ask questions or speak their truth. And I, I know I've had clients who've shared with me, you know, the TV will be on and there will be something on this topic on the TV. And the parent's reaction from the corner of the room is a negative reaction. What does that teach the child in that moment? When I see that, I tense up because my parent tenses up because there's a negative reaction connotation that occurs. Therefore, when I now am questioning my sexuality, my home is not safe. And so I think you're bringing up a lot of great points about how to make the home safe. And I'm wondering if you have anything else that you, you know, you, any tips that you have too of how parents can work on that? Um, you're so right that it's not just about what you say, it's about what you do. And those of y'all with littles, you know that learned behavior is not just a verbal process. It is literally they're watching your every move and a felt sense experience that it can just happen nervous system to nervous system. So you can start with what books do you provide your child? What, what book choices do you have? Are your books just white, straight people who are thin? Maybe we want to add a little diversity to those books. And again, Sex Positive Families has an incredible library of different book options. So I highly recommend that. Do you um, let your kid pick different clothing options, different colors, or do you only give your kid pink because you're assuming their gender is female? Or are there only dolls that are options for your kid? Can you also offer race cars or other kind of, you know, what is typically deemed as male versus female? And how can you just make choices give your kid choices of whatever they want to play with or wear that has nothing to do with your assumption of their gender. Who do they get to hang out with? What friends are you helping them foster? Is it just their assumed gender class? Um, I think there's an, an interesting dialogue happening and an unfortunate splitting of puberty and sex health, sexual health education where you have your girls and you have your boys and then they learn about puberty separately. That's super harmful. So hopefully if you have the ability to make influence at the school, you start to not do that because that makes people, one reinforces the binary that there's only male or female and then they have to choose in that moment. <laughs> and then it really it makes them believe that they can't talk about very natural body changing 
phenomenon with anyone else but these people who they're deemed to be their gender. Um, so those are some ideas that I have that come to mind. Diversifying media. So if you notice that they're watching something and just be a conscious consumer of media with them, ask questions like, I wonder why they have a mom and a dad. Do you think there are other different family structures who could be in this show? Or if you happen to know of other diverse shows, I don't have kids, so I'm not like in the know of what shows are out there for kids, <laughs> but hopefully more and more options are coming out there that can be diverse. And if not, whoever's listening, let's create it. Let's create that. <laughs> yeah. Let's create it. Um, normalize sharing your pronouns. That's something else that can be um, something you want to leave open and fluid for your kid to let you know their own gender. So don't make assumptions about your kid's gender. Um, you can say, I use she, her pronouns because I'm a woman and other people use different pronouns based on their gender. And then just kind of leave it at that. Keep asking open-ended questions to your kid. Don't wait to bring up these conversations. Yeah. My, um, my niece bought who's four, 15, Ooh, sorry. I know you're not listening. It's fine. 15. And she um, bought Henry a book. And we will link all of these resources and some in our Instagram highlights so that it's just up there. But it feels good to be yourself. And so it's a gender affirming book that probably is not two-year-olds, I, I don't even know when it's like whatever, but Henry really enjoys reading it. And, you know, he's in that phase where, okay, we read the same book 40 times in a row. And after a while, like, it's really cool to realize where he'll be like, oh, there's Roy. Roy is a boy. You know, there is, um, See, I don't even remember their names. I should ask them, Henry, what's their name? You know, um, but they're so-and-so. They are a they, you know, and it's it's just like this is what's being implanted in his two-year-old brain. Maybe the full understanding isn't there. Okay, fine. But at least it's, again, coming back to the norm, normalizing. We are normalizing this for him so that... Um, it's what you're saying, Nethery, that like the conversation can start well before they're bringing it to us. Um, one thing I wanted to bring up is that, you know, I, I live in a very inclusive family. Like I was fortunate enough to live in that um, space. But even so, sometimes they say stuff where I'm like, that is we're done, okay? We are done having this conversation. And so one of it is um, my dad, when Henry was born, he kept saying like, he is all boy. And it was like this thing that he just kept repeating. And deep down, I know he's not trying to do harm. But to me, I was having such a, like a reaction to it. And so I really kind of related when you're saying like, okay, it's, I'm, I'm tensing up, I'm getting all angry. And, you know, I had to set that boundary with him of like, can you please not say that, you know, or why, can you tell me why you're saying that? And he doesn't even know. He's just like, he's, I just love him so much. Right. Um, but I guess my question is, what encouragement would you have for individuals who are trying to set boundaries 
they've already done the work within their immediate family, but they're trying to set the boundaries with the extended family. To those that maybe are just a little bit older and not doing their own work and not necessarily going to do their own work, what are safe ways to do to set those boundaries for your family? For them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Very good question. Yes. Yeah. I want to say, of course, it's hard. And your dad in this example, obviously, is not intending to be whatever. But that is obviously what has been socialized, right? Which is what we're talking about. It's just like, you don't know your a fish doesn't know they're swimming in water till they jump out of it and look, oh my gosh, it's water. That's what we're trying to unlearn and unravel for people. And some folks will believe in doing this work and some don't. And that's, you know, that's what we're hope- hopefully this podcast will help do is encourage people to keep unlearning. But I think you've done a great job of saying, hey, this is our family culture. And this is why. Let me share with you why we're making this boundary. Giving a little example of, okay, what if Henry is not a, a cis male? What if Henry wants to come out as something else? And this helps him be able to do that. And I'll use he for now, just that's his assumed gender. Um, so we want to give a little example of to why it's beneficial for the kid. Because your dad loves Henry, absolutely. And so we want to connect that of, at the at the bottom of all of this is love. And so we want to just lead with love. And sometimes that means we'll have to challenge the people in our extended family, set some boundaries. It becomes more complicated when people don't respect those boundaries. And that's where you have to make decisions based on your own family. Um, as kids keep getting older, you can keep reinforcing. This is what our family believes. Not every family believes that. And this is true, like when you're, you know, teaching your kid about uh, body parts and maybe other families don't believe in teaching kids about body part names that are accurate until they're 18, (laughs) who knows? Um, So this is where you want to say, this is our family beliefs. Other families don't believe this. And how do you feel about that? How does it feel when so-and-so says this about, you know, two guys being in a romantic relationship, being just super honest and open and being real because that's what they're going to face out in the world. Not everyone, unfortunately, is accepting and open. Uh, I was just going to say, I have a very similar family dynamic of, um, you know, cisgendered, heterosexual, Christian (laughs) people in my family. So you can, you know, guess how those conversations usually go down. Um, but I'm always, I always use it as just a teaching tool. Hey, you know, when Papa shared that, this is kind of what he believes and what he thinks. And there's also other beliefs that you'll hear from other people. And there's lots of different beliefs, you know, it kind of becomes a way to model tolerance of various beliefs and, and then discussing and filtering where that fits for that person or for you but right anyhow my like feeling around that though is that but papa that's what henry calls my dad but papa like how unsafe if you're not willing to change for my kid how unsafe does that make him feel and i'm not really willing to have my child feel unsafe 
in the world in our family because it's probably going to happen already in the world and so i get real protective real mama bear psycho over here like i'm gonna get you um and that's where family boundaries might come in you know yeah that's, that's the second piece of it yeah and it isn't the situation it isn't the played out situation but i know that when i first had henry you know hormones are pumping through my system and like Oh, man, you know, um, so I think this is all really helpful. Yeah. yeah, and it could even be taking the conversation a step further with your kiddo, and you'll adapt it, obviously, as they're in different age, age groups where their brain can handle it in different ways, but to talk about socialization and bias, and this is a great time to also be talking about other uh, oppressed identities different size diversity, right? We have different abilities, races, all of it. And we want to really encourage these kids to question, defy what is normal and and know that, okay, Papa is in this socialization circle and however many decades, it's going to be hard. And you have a great opportunity, you and your peers, to change the world. We wanna instill that like connection to social justice, that this is not just like, oh, let's be inclusive for other families. No, this can change the world. So to wrap it up, what are some resources, additional resources that you wanna share with our listeners? Um, let's see, another great resource is the Gender Unicorn. And that's a, a great little cartoon that kind of shows the difference between gender identity, gender expression, um, sex assigned at birth, and then there's physical physical attraction and emotional attraction. We also want to normalize, much like we don't want to uh, make assumptions of someone's gender, we don't want to assume that they're you know who they're attracted to, and that asexuality, aromantic, those are all things that can exist on the continuum of physical and emotional attraction. And if these are terms that are like, what? Uh, definitely want to encourage more of the, the learning. There's tons of great resources. Uh, gender Spectrum is a great resource. Sex Positive Families, uh, The Trevor Project. Those are some beginning places to look. PFLAG, P-F-L-A-G. Where can I listeners find you? Oh, yes. Uh, y'all can find me on Instagram at Ample and Rooted website, www.ampleandrooted.com. And yeah. Well, thank you so much, Nethery. Ooh, I have all the feels. Thank you for your wisdom. Thanks, y'all. Yeah, this was really a great opportunity to share just a little teensy tiny bit, like the tip of the iceberg. And happy to. If anyone needs support and link into resources or just like, what now what? What do I do now? Um, please just reach out. Happy to help. That is a wrap on this episode of the Mythbuster series. And we hope this information provides you with a more critical lens when you hear mainstream diet culture messaging. Please reach out to the person interviewed to connect with them in the ways they listed, or you can check out our social media pages at Mom Jeans the Podcast for details on the episode and to find our guests' information. 
And if you love the episode, please leave us a rating and review on iTunes and recommend this episode to a friend. Sending you the inner strength to accept your jeans with a G and wear the jeans with a J. Bye. This episode of Mom Jeans was produced and edited by Rachel Coleman and Tina LaBoy. Just a reminder, this episode is not a substitute for therapeutic counsel or nutrition advice. Thank you to Jerry DePizzo for the music production. You can find episode information and show notes at www.momjeansthepodcast.com. Follow us on Instagram at momjeansthepodcast and join the Mom Jeans the Podcast Facebook group to find a community of mamas learning to love their bodies and discussing the episodes. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Mom Jeans. See you next time.